Today we're in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and we pick it up in verses 10 and 11 as we're studying five more gifts of the Holy Spirit. Hopefully uh, you're interested in these things because it's good for us to know what these gifts are and maybe even discover that, you know, these are gifts that maybe you have and that way you can stir them up, you know, and use them for the glory of God and the good of his people. You know, Paul, the apostle, he wrote to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 6 through 7, stir up the gift that is in you. You know, to, to take this gift that you have, and you guys, you all have gifts. Stir it up. In the Greek language, it means fan that flame. Because God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. So we got to discover our gifts and we got to develop them and stir them up and then deploy them. And I was thinking about what Kobe said. You know, I was uh, watching the Laker game when they were paying tribute to him and just kind of listening to the words that they shared in the video that he played. And this is what he said. He said, you have to dance beautifully in the box that you're dancing in. He said, my box was to be extremely ambitious within the sport of basketball. Your box is different than mine. Everybody has their own box. It's your job to try to perfect it and make it as beautiful of a canvas as you can make it. And if you have done that, then you have lived a successful life. You have lived with Mamba mentality. And I, I don't know, for me, as, as, a, as a pastor, again, learning these things, stirring it up, Lord, the best that we can be for you as fathers, as husbands, as men of God, women of God, moms, wives, uh, ministers, prayerfully we learn this and we realize, hey, I've been given a, a gift. I have a place in the body of Christ. I have certain roles and responsibilities. And so I'm not going to just work hard like the other guys. I'm going to work twice as hard. You know, Jesus said, don't just go one mile. When they compel you to go one, go two. And when you have that, then I think you have what God is calling us to do. But we got to discover, you know, what our gifts are, what our talents are, what our calling is, so that we can answer it. Because that calling is from God himself. And so we're, we pick it up right in the middle of spiritual gifts. In verse 1, Paul here, notice he says, Concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. I want you to know all about the gifts. I want you not, not to be ignorant. And then he goes on, he talks about the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, working in har harmony, you know, with all the people. It's a diversity, but there's this unity. And then he starts just, you know, throwing out the gifts. And we pick it up today in verse 10, where he talks about more of the gifts. And these, maybe you have some of these. To another, he says in verse 10, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, discerning of spirits. To another, different kinds of tongues. To another, the interpretation of tongues. But one and the same spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. And so the first one he mentions there is the working of miracles. Think about that, the working of miracles. The Greek word uh, translated miracles is the word Dunamis. It's where we get our word dynamite. And what that's in reference to really when you talk to theologians is, is that this guy, this is an individual with power. You know, dynamite is explosive. 
There are some here who have the gift of the working of miracles. And it's not that we're greater than anyone else. No, don't think that, well, it can't be me because I'm a sinner, I'm a simple person. No, you might have this gift. And what it is, is it's a supernatural power that God gives you. And just, you know, I believe that in every Christian's life, you're going to see miracles. Everyone here. If you're walking with the Lord, and man, you got a personal relationship with Him, He speaks to you. That's a miracle. He does things. That's a miracle. But when you have the gift of the working of miracles, and more miracles take place. You know, Paul the Apostle had that gift in Acts 19.11. It says, now, God worked unusual miracles by the hands of Paul. You know, when you read your Bible, you read about someone like Elijah, uh, Elisha, crazy miracles where they, you know, this weird things where, you know, the, there was poison in the pot and so they threw some other ingredient in there and now there's not poison. Or the axe head, it floated to the water. I mean, just, you know, children are raised from the dead, just different things. A widow is provided for supernaturally. They're just the miracles that, that take place when someone has this gift. You know, this is someone like a, a George Mueller, you know, who provided for orphans, who pastored a church. And it's amazing what God does when miracles take place. What happens is people will eventually be able to see the invisible God. It's not you're trying to dazzle anyone. It's you're trying to show them. And what it is is the manifestation of the Spirit. We can't see the Spirit of God, but He's here. We can't see God, but He's here. We can't see Jesus, but He's here. And when His church starts exercising these supernatural gifts, then God will be noticed. People will see the invisible. Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 4, it says, God also bearing witness both with signs and wonders, with various miracles and gifts of the Holy Spirit, according to his own will. So let me ask you a question. Be honest. What do you think about miracles? Do they happen? If you're here today and you're saying, nah, they're not for today, then you're a doubter, you're a quencher, and you're probably not going to see a whole lot happen in your life. Some would say that such a gift is no longer available, but really the burden of proof lies upon them. Show me in the Bible where it says that miracles are no longer for today. Because when I read my list right here, I read, Paul says that there is this gift, it's available, it's the working of miracles. As a matter of fact, if you go to verse 28, it, it seems to say it's a pretty high miracle on, on the list, a high gift. He says in verse 28, and God has appointed these in the church, First, apostles, second, prophets, third, teachers, after that, miracles. And so, you know, we, we look at the list right here and we're like, okay, verse 28, interesting. You know, apostles, I mean, that's the 12, that's, those are missionaries. How important are they? And then after that, prophets. And we're going to talk about prophets today. And then teachers, and I think we probably, especially in Calvary Chapel, we really esteem teachers. But then right after the teachers are miracles. And so this is all I'm saying, you guys. Not that we're you know, following signs and wonders. We're just following God with all of our hearts. And when we do that, you know, then I believe that miracles will follow. 
You know, this last week I was getting together with some friends and we were talking about just, you know, how God is speaking to us. And it was just so amazing to me how that through what they had been ministering to, people were talking to them and their scriptures and then this person's passage and then the one that God gave to me, how God made it like super, super clear that it was time to fast. It was time to fast. God had laid it on multiple people's hearts in separate instances, and then we all came together, and it was time to fast. And I told them about how that morning in my devotional reading, how I was reading about the time when the children of Israel just couldn't get that victory, man. They just couldn't get it. And they were praying, and they didn't get it. And they were praying and weeping, and they didn't get it. It wasn't until they were praying, weeping, and fasting and offering the sacrifice of the burn offering and the peace offering. The burn offering is mean, means when you give it all to God, and the peace offering is when you're living in fellowship with God. It wasn't until they were praying and weeping and fasting and giving everything to God and walking in fellowship with God, it wasn't until then that God gave them the victory. And, it, and to me, I mean, I know that's what God's calling us to do as a church. I don't know if you sense it, but God is calling us to fast. You know, I don't know what the details are for your life. He'll show you the divine details. But he said, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves. Now, you read the Old Testament. Humbling themselves means to fast. If we, call, if, we, if we humble ourselves and pray and seek his face and turn from our wicked ways, then he'll hear from heaven, forgive our sins, and heal our land. Second Chronicles 7.14. So what happens is then the Lord, he just begins to speak. He begins to do miracles. I mean, so many crazy things. You know, there, there's a Hebrew word. Let me go there real quick. So the end of my notes. Um... You guys know the English word coincidence? Coincidence. So I don't know how you would define it exactly, but coincidence is something that seems to be weird or whatever, like, you know, like, wow, I can't believe I just saw you. I was just thinking about you. Oh, it's just a coincidence. No, it wasn't a coincidence. In the, in the Jewish language, there's no word for coincidence. So I tried to do some research on this because I had heard that in the past. And I'm like, is that true? There's no Hebrew word for coincidence. And it, it, what they have is a different word. The Hebrew word is rak miashem. Can you guys say that? Rak miashem. Now you know Hebrew. I'll ask you in five minutes and you won't, won't know it. <laughs> rak miashem. But you know what it means in Hebrew? Only from God. Why? Because there's no such thing as a coincidence. It seemed kind of like weird, connected, but it wasn't a coincidence. It was from God. And if you open your eyes and your ears, you're going to see Rachmiashen all over the place, man. One time I was praying about whether or not to go to Cambodia. And I'm praying. I don't know what, whether to go. It was my first time. I had never gone. And I was asking the Lord to show me, should I go to Cambodia? And what does he do? I'm listening to a Bible study by Chuck Smith. And Chuck Smith says, you should go to Cambodia and give the children shoes. Now, is that a coincidence? Or is that rak miashin? 
You know, one time Anthony, he's a drummer right here, is an interesting story. He, uh, he, he lost his wallet and uh, he had $200 in it. So that would be a bummer, just losing your wallet, but then when you got $200 in it, it makes it even worse, right? So what ends up happening is he goes to work a few days later, and guess what? Anthony wins the grand prize. Guess how much it was? So how many say 200? No, it's 250. Come on, you should know God by now. Because God, like I said, he, the devil might try to take away our van. God didn't give us a better van because that's how God works, right? Not only that, homeboy gets a gift from his friend who doesn't know anything. It's a custom-made wallet, leather wallet. Now, is that coincidence or is that rachmiashin? You know, one time I remember we were in the house and my son Aaron had lost his iPod. And so, I don't know how it is in your house, but when you lose things, sometimes uh, the pressure and the stress and things escalate. Where is it? Uh, not really, I'm just saying. We don't. <laughs> so you know what happened, man? I'm telling you the truth. And then my wife and my children are alive to testify to the fact that all of a sudden I got a thought in my mind. I got a visual in my mind. I knew exactly where it was. I got the picture in my mind. I saw his iPod. It was his, because his bed is against uh, the wall. I saw his iPad right there leaning against the wall uh, on, on the side or underneath his bed. And so right there and then, when I got the visual in my mind, I went straight to the iPod. I said, here, go listen to your music. So, you know, <laughs> it, what is that? What, what is that? Is that coincidence or is that rachmiashin? And I could tell you story after story after story. And that, what we're trying to say here is that, you know, miracles really do happen. God really does speak to us. He's not bound to do it. Now, if you're here and let's just say you don't ever do miracles like John the Baptist, he never did any miracles, but he saw many miracles. He saw the dove descend upon Jesus. He saw people getting saved. You know, so, so that's the life of a Christian, and you might be here today with the gift of the working of miracles. And so my prayer is just that we would be open, you know, to the Lord. Because he has this life that he wants to bless us with. But we need to make sure that we understand, um, man, it needs to happen in love. It needs to happen by the power of the Holy Spirit. If you believe, then you'll receive. You know, the, the next gift, he says there in verse 10, to another the working of miracles and to another prophecy. Now, prophecy is the ability to foretell or foretell a message from God. It's when God personally speaks through someone. And this can happen in so many different ways. You know, you might tell someone something that's going to happen to them in the future. Or you might just give them a personal message from God. It's really like the, the heart of it is just when God somehow, some way speaks through someone. It might just be like a confirmation of a word that they need to hear. For example, a couple of Thursdays ago, not this last Thursday, but the Thursday before, I was sharing uh, out of the book of Psalms. And after the study was over, a man came up to me and he said, were you reading my Instagram stories today? And I said, no, I haven't been on social media in a long time. And he said, you were hitting all the points that the Lord had been speaking to me. And I just told him, I said, you know what? That's the Holy Spirit. 
a lot of times God will do that. Sometimes it's through the teaching, it's, uh, it's uh, um, operating concurrently with the preaching. It doesn't have to be from the pulpit, it could be in the pew, it could be anywhere. And God will lay something on your heart to share. Don't be afraid to share it. It's so important for us to understand that it can happen. Prophecy clearly seen in the Old Testament, and then we have it just as clear in the New. In the book of Acts, chapter 2, verse 17, uh, Peter, quoting from Joel, explained to the guys what was going on. He says, and it shall come to pass in the last days, says God, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. See, there it is. Your young men shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. And on my men servants and on my maid servants, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they shall prophesy. So, you know, we got to be open to this. It's not new revelation at the level of the Bible because, the, you know, the scriptures have been delivered once and for all. The Bible tells us in Jude uh, verse 3 in Revelation 22, 18 says we're not to add to the Bible. So we're not talking about prophets with a capital P. We're not talking about guys that give you new revelation that's equal to the Bible. But we are talking about people with the prophet with a small p where you know God is speaking through them. I would say someone maybe like a Billy Graham was probably one of the last prophets that we've had. But then you see others within the church, not just with the office of a prophet, but the function of a prophet. And we see that happen. They're gifts to the church from Jesus himself. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11, where it says, And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers. Now look at that list for a second, because I know you guys, you Calvary Chapel lights, I know you know how important apostles are. They're missionaries, huh? And you know how important pastors are, huh? They're, they better be right and teach the word. And you know how important teachers are. But do you know how important prophets are? It's when there's a voice from God. And, and we listen. We don't despise prophecies, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 says, but we test them. And so we need to have that. You know, I remember the beautiful body of Christ in the church of Antioch in Syria when they were man, to seeking the Lord, healthy church, and then the Holy Spirit talks in Acts chapter 13. Now in the church that was at Antioch, there were certain prophets and teachers. So notice there are prophets and teachers. To me, it's even interesting, the order of words. That's how important prophets are. And there they are, uh, Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Menaean, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch and Saul. As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, there it is again, the Holy Spirit said, Now separate to me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them to do. How did the Holy Spirit speak to them so clearly, so explicitly, so specifically? I mean, we, we know it's the Lord communicating to the church, undoubtedly through prophets. You know, it's interesting, this last Thursday, we had a guest speaker share with us, the pastor of Calvary Chapel, Kathmandu, and he told us how early on in his Christian walk, someone prophesied over him that he would one day be a pastor and a worship leader. 
Now, this is before he ever had the desire or fire to teach. It was before he knew how to play the guitar or sing. But it all came to pass to the point that now this man was instrumental in bringing, teaching the word systematically and contemporary worship to the nation of Nepal. You see, God can do this. God brought it to pass. It's prophecy. You know, early in the early, early days of Calvary Chapel, there was a prophecy given to Pastor Chuck Smith. And they said that one day he would be the shepherd of many shepherds. In other words, that through him, there would be many churches that would spring up. But the interesting thing about it is that it was spoken to him when his church only consisted of 25 people. But it was a prophecy that God gave. All I'm saying is that you might have that gift, but you might be bearing that gift. You might have something in your heart or you feel like you want to say it, but you're afraid because people you're thinking, well, they, you know, what if I'm wrong or people might think I'm weird. Listen, um, don't, you, 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 God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. You know, we need that in our life. You know, there are prophecies that people have told me uh, throughout my life and about this church. Some have come to pass. Some, I'm still waiting to see whether or not it was the Lord. We'll find out, you know. But, but there's one prophecy I think I've shared with you guys many times. Uh, back in 1985, it was the first time I saw uh, this young, uh, beautiful uh, gal over here. And I saw her across the gym. And I think I told you guys a story that I, I, I told my friend when I saw her, I told him I'm going to marry her. Now, you, if you guys, some of you guys, don't, most of you don't know me, but those of you who do know me, you know that's not the type of person I am. I'm not a type A personality person. I'm not like a, you know, hey, I'm going to make it happen. I'm not, you know, I don't have that. And so I never said that before. Where in the world did that come from? I'm going to marry her. I'm going to marry her. <laughs> Me? Her? Come on. Where did that come? Where in the world did that come from? The answer is it didn't come from this world. It came from God. And now, you know, and not I just know, I mean, without a shadow of a doubt, God prophesied. It strengthens my marriage when you just see how God is the one who puts you together. And so these things, I pray we would know that, that he's in, in the details, you guys. He's a God who speaks to us personally. You guys believe that? How many of you believe that? How many of you are still thinking about it? <laughs> I'll tell you one more story. Because I was thinking, I'm like, man, we have so many stories, Lord, but they might get mad at me because I'm telling them too many stories. But um, on, on Tuesday morning, I, I got a phone call from the Almonte Police Department that they uh, wanted me to go and uh, minister to a family whose loved one had died. And so the only thing is they said that it needed to be in Spanish. And so I, my Spanish, I'm probably like, you know, 20%. I, I, I fumble through it. I'm not very good at it. But for some reason, they got me down as a Spanish-speaking chaplain. So I don't know. <laughs> so anyways, uh, when, I, when I talked to the officer detective, I said, okay, is it okay if I bring my, my friend? He's, he speaks Spanish. And he said, sure. And so I, I texted the guys, and Peter responded. So Peter said he could go. 
So I go, I'm on my way to pick up Peter, and I pick him up, and we're on our way to minister to this family whose loved one had just died. And Peter told, hey, bro, can I tell you something? <laughs> and I said, sure. He said, I had a dream. I had a dream that someone offered me beer. And when they put the beers there, I, he said, I think he told me there were three beers. And he said, but then I was, I was about to drink, I heard a voice. And the voice said, how can you minister if you drink? How can you minister if you drink? What if someone sees you drink? You won't be able to minister. So Peter didn't drink. What he did was he got up and went outside the house. And guess what he saw when he walked outside the house? A dead body. And so he picked up the phone, called 911. He woke up, and then I texted him. And I said, Peter, can you come? A family needs to minister, mean ministry, because their loved one has died. We walk into the apartment there in Klingerman's, and there is the dead body. So I don't know, coincidence? Or what's the Hebrew word? Yeah, that. God is in the details. I'll tell you what, when we went into the apartment, not because we're anything, because we know we're nothing, but we know Jesus is everything. And Jesus had prepared his heart. Jesus had prepared my heart. We went in there in the midst of about 25, 30 people. And by the grace of God, the Holy Spirit ministered in this room. And it was just like, man, you could feel the thickness of God's presence. See, God, he speaks. Sometimes it's dreams. And it's interesting. In Acts chapter 2, it says, old men will dream dreams. So I told Peter, sorry, bro. <laughs> no, it can happen at any age. But, you know, prophecy, dreams, he lays things on your heart. I pray that we would be open to these things. Don't despise prophecies, it says in 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 20. But you do test them. Is it the Lord? When you prophesy, it says in 1 Corinthians 14, 1 through 4, you speak words of edification, words of exhortation, and words of comfort. The next thing he mentions here in Romans 12 is the discerning of spirits. Notice again, verse 10, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits. Now, when you look at these gifts, it's interesting. Some of them, they categorize as the power gifts, you know, um, the, the, the miracles that, that take place. Others, they categorize as revealing gifts. So it's a word of knowledge or, or a word of wisdom or a discerning of spirits. The discerning of spirits has been defined as the divine enabling distinguished between good and evil spirits. It's a supernatural revelation as to the true nature of the source of any manifestation, whether it's divine or demonic, whether it's to be accepted or rejected, whether it's to be relied upon or resisted. Uh, the, the Greek word, it, it means uh, judging through, uh, to pierce through uh, the external, to see right through, and then to be able to make a judgment. It's a type of the, the discernment that you know, you're in a situation, you're out there, and we've been there in, in Cambodia and different places where the Lord shows you, you're going to have to cast out a demon right now. 
or it could be even to the point where you're, you're ministering somewhere or you're, you're somewhere and you know that's the Lord. The Lord shows you when Peter spoke, you know, the Lord said, well, that was the Father speaking through you, Peter. And then the next time, that was the devil speaking through you, uh, Peter. The discerning of spirits. You know, when you look at it, um, the, the gift of discernment is invaluably important. Why? Because the wolves come into the flock. You know, we have a picture here that shows a, a wolf in sheep's clothing. Jesus said that would happen in Matthew chapter 7, verse 15. So you look at this picture and you're like, man, you know, but that's way more obvious. In all reality, when the wolves come in sheep's clothing, they probably look more like sheep than the regular sheep do. That's why this gift of discernment is so poor, so important the discerning of spirits. Because sometimes, I'm going to tell you guys this, something happens, and then someone says, after something happens, yeah, I always had a feeling about that guy. No, it's not intended to, to tell someone after. It's intended to tell someone before. You know, if you ever see something or sense something, please tell me. And make sure I follow up on it. Tell one of the pastors. Make sure they follow up on it. You know, earlier today, we were talking to a, a sister, you know, and she sensed something, and she wasn't sure whether she should say. And, you know, Mark and I were telling her, yes, you know, we have to make sure that we follow through and understand that these gifts are for today. You know, of course, you know, the natural man doesn't receive the things of the Spirit of God, but because they are spiritually discerned, it has to be, and all goes back to all these gifts operating in love and in the power of the Holy Spirit. You know, that's when we begin to see these things exercised. Now, of course, the difficulty of this gift is that sometimes our flesh can be a suspicious. We can misjudge someone or accuse them of being under evil influences when they're not. You know, it goes beyond a hunch. It goes beyond, you know, a little intuition. It's the Holy Spirit. You know, and so I pray that we would know these are, are, these gifts, they're not toys to play with, but they are tools to build with. And let's just say you thought something weird about someone, it's okay to tell me, and then what we'll do is we'll take it to the Lord, and we'll interrogate that person in certain ways. <laughs> I pray, you guys, we would know that we need each other. You know, there's an account in the book of Acts, chapter 8, verses 9 through 23, where Peter sees something that the rest of the church in Samaria didn't see. Philip had gone to Samaria. It was a great work that God was doing. This one guy, uh, Simon, the sorcerer, he got saved. He got baptized. Everybody's all happy. Everybody's all happy. Until finally one day Peter comes. And Peter had the gift of discerning of spirits. And he saw through this guy and he said, your heart is not right. You are bound by bitterness and poisoned with iniquity. Peter saw through the man when the others didn't. That's why discerning of spirits is so important. Do you have that gift? How many of you here have that gift? Anyone think? I was thinking that that would probably be more common. Don't keep it to yourself. Don't keep it to yourself. 
A lot of times people tell us when things are too late. The next gift he mentions here is the gift of tongues. And that is the divine enabling to pray or sing or worship in a language unknown to the speaker. Um, we're going to talk a lot about tongues as we go through this, but let me just share a couple of things. The purpose of tongues. So that is, think about it, where one day, I remember one day I was in my prayer closet just uh, spending time with God, and all of a sudden, it, the, the, this, this, like the wind, like the fire, the presence of God just flowed over me, and I started speaking in a language that I didn't know. And all of a sudden, I could just feel the presence of God just lift me up, and it just built me up, and it carried me. And ever since then, I've been able to speak in tongues um, in my prayer closet. And sometimes the Lord gives me the uh, understanding. How many of you here, any of you here have the gift of tongues? I'm just curious. Okay, some of you do. All right. You know, what I, what I want to encourage you guys to do is to be open to this. I think that sometimes um, we don't exercise these gifts because we don't really believe. We have to know these gifts are for today. You know, you're speaking in an unknown language. What's the purpose of it? Well, Acts 2.11 says it's for the glory of God, number one. Number two, in 1 Corinthians 14, verses 1 through 4, verse 14, verses 18 through 19, you can just read the whole chapter there, and you'll see that the purpose of the gift of tongues is also to build up the believer, the one who is exercising the gift. Tongues, you're going to see, is man speaking to God, while prophecy is God speaking to man. Tongues edifies the one speaking in tongues, the speaker, while prophecy edifies the hearer. Now, if the tongue is interpreted, then the rest of the congregation is also edified. So we have to be careful with tongues because there are those who abuse the gift, the Corinthians did, and uh, they did it out of order. But what we're going to do is we're going to learn how to speak the gift of tongues uh, biblically. And as we do that, you watch what God does with it. It's going to be so cool. But be careful because some say it's a sign of salvation or filling of the Holy Spirit. And unless you speak in tongues, you're not filled. And that's not true. Uh, some say it's okay to interrupt the Bible study with the gift of tongues and message from God. That's not true. What we need to do is make sure that when we do it publicly, that there is an interpreter present. So real quick, verse 10, uh, the, he talks about the different kinds of tongues and to another, the interpretation of tongues. And so let's just say we're in an afterglow setting. You're we're seeking the Lord. Someone speaks in tongues. Then you wait for someone to give the interpretation. So let me just share with you in closing a pretty cool story. Uh, Pastor Chuck was talking about how one day they had um, done their services, and it was a Sunday night. Other people were going home, but there were about 50 people left, and they wanted to just seek the Lord. They just wanted to wait on the Lord. So that day, there was a gal in there, and she stood up, and she spoke in tongues. Well, it turns out that she spoke in a dialect in French. And so what ended up happening was after she spoke in tongues, Chuck Smith's wife, Kay, interpreted the tongues. And so, uh, interesting, because Kay, of course, didn't know French, but she gave a really cool interpretation. It was beautiful, like, Lord, you've given me this beautiful new song. Because the gal that was speaking in tongues, prior to that, she used to sing in the nightclubs. 
Then when she got saved, she started singing for the Lord. Lord, you've given me this beautiful new song, the song of love and praise unto you. I'll rejoice in your love and in the songs that you give to me. That was Kay's interpretation of this gal's speaking in tongues. But here's the cool thing. After the, everything was done, uh, a lady came up to Pastor Chuck afterwards. Now, she had been invited by her friend who wanted her to talk to Chuck because she was going through some heavy problems. But as she gets there, uh, she, uh, going through these difficulties, after everyone was dismissed, she said this. She said, before we get into my situation, what was going on there? How is it that that lady spoke to the group in French and the other lady translated? And Pastor Chuck said to her, would you believe that neither of those women know French? And she said, I wouldn't believe that. And then he said, well, it's true. I, I say that because I know both of them. Neither of them know French, but they've been given the gift of tongues and interpretation of tongues. And so when he said that, he took her to the scriptures and showed her you know, what the Bible says regarding tongues and interpretations. And when the lady uh, saw that, she said, here's the thing. I lived in France for five years. And the thing that I think is so amazing is she interpreted it impeccably. And the French that was, she was speaking is not just a normal French. It was called an aristocratic French. It's a high French. And that's what she was speaking. And Pastor Chuck said, well, that makes sense. A guy would do something like that. And the lady said, um, so before we get into my problems, I need to accept Jesus Christ right now. Because look what it says in, in, in the book of uh, 1 Corinthians. It says that tongues is a sign to the non-believer. Look at chapter 14 in verse 22. Therefore, tongues are for a sign, not to those who believe, but to unbelievers. And, uh, and to me, that's what happens, you guys, when we start walking in the power of the Holy Spirit. You know, you exercise your gifts. You discover them. You take a spiritual version of the mamba mentality. You work hard to develop them and deploy them. And then you watch how the invisible God will then be visible and people will give their lives to Christ. Verse 11 says, One and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. So we all have gifts. You guys know that. How many of you believe you have a gift? Just curious. You know that, right? What are they? This week, as I was fasting, God showed me another gift that I have. Not to boast, because the gifts is charisma. It's grace. But it was just so cool how he made it so clear. And I'll bet you almost anything, if the Lord is leading you to fast, that he will show you the gifts that you have. And then when you discover your gifts or your talent or your calling in life, can I ask you a question? Are you going to work hard? Are you going to say, Lord, I'm going to give everything to you? Because even another thing that Colby said that was kind of interesting, and I'll close with this, he said, I can't relate to lazy people. We don't speak the same language. I don't understand you. I have nothing in common with lazy people who blame others for their lack of success, 
Great things come from hard work and perseverance and no excuses. And if he's willing to do that for a perishable crown, how much more should we be willing to do that for an imperishable crown? So may God give you wisdom. And if you're here today and you're coming with problems uh, like we read or like we heard today, Jesus is the answer. Just Jesus. Come to the Lord today. Surrender your life to him.